0: Justice Morning. Okay, uh, that was uh, very dead. I'm in the boat. Justice Morning. I want to give first a round of applause to those who have served behind the scenes, to the ushers, to song leaders, and of course, uh, my son in the faith, show for communion right there. Yeah. Joshua Chakodose, just give me a round of applause right there. And did you hear, Callum Leeds? Oh, my goodness, me. It's, like a, it's, a, it's crazy. It's like a lineage. From Josh, it came to him right there. And so it's like a lineage passing on the baton right there. And so what he said was very, very powerful, like the blood bank, the blood clots. I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, the minimum wage for sin is death. And I'm like, oh, this guy is a, a preacher in the making, amen? Tell me about to Matthew chapter 7. You know, do we have any sold-out moments in the house? Okay, where the mamas at? Do you have any sold-out mamas in the house? Okay, let's go mamas. Do we have any sold-out singles in the house? Do we have any sold-out teens in the house? Michael was just like <laughs> Do we have any sold-out campus students in the house? And sold out disciples of Christ in the house! Yeah. Oh. The title of the sermon today is Sold Out to the Dream. Oh. Sold Out to the Dream. Yeah, Not Sold Out to Satan's Schemes. Oh. Sold Out to the Dream. You know what's happened this year is that we've seen the 21st World Cup based in Qatar, where, dare we say, we have different nations, 32 different nations, sold out to one dream, to win. Yet, dare we say, as disciples of Christ, we as different nations are sold out to the dream, to win as many as possible, amen? And so on Friday, Campus TV, you know how the, Friday, you know how the campus ministry be? Sometimes they're like, is it preaching? Is it games? What are we going to do today? And so on Friday, at Campus Diva, we we went to watch at the brothers' house, or we went to watch England versus America. And so, as you know, as expected, my philosophy: 90 minutes go, and no goal is scored. You know, in my opinion, um, it's like almost like having a game of hope deferred. Uh, could have done so much more on that one. Out, you're like, oh, ah, 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 come on. It's like you're playing Mexico. Ah, Mexico wave. Ah. I'm like, man, this is getting exhausting, man. It's just it's doing the same reaction all the time. I, I could have done so much in that one hour and a half. You know, some students wanted to do their coursework in Campus Devo. You know, dare we say they're partially sold out. Amen. Oh, Yeah, watching, watching that match, I honestly felt like England were too passive. And they weren't completely sold out. Okay. And the game ended up nil-nil. Wow. And that could be some of us today. Oh. Nil-nil in our bank account. Oh. Oh. Especially after Black Friday, amen. Okay, Felicia actually went to Black Friday. I hope that doesn't represent discipleship, amen. Nil-nil in your love life. Because your love life starts with Jesus, amen. Brothers, take sisters on dates. You know, I was, you know Sisters also asked brothers to go on encouragement dates too Because I'll be honest I was, As soon as I got out of the waters of baptism I was asked by a sister to go on an encouragement date As soon as I was baptised You know, I found it completely weird I found it weird Because I just came out of the waters And I'm like, hey, why is, this, why is, this, why is this, this sister asking me on a date I'm like, oh, well was, well. Well, 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 thank you But of course, I knew that it was a custom in in, in the kingdom where we're brothers and sisters. That there's no awkwardness asking brothers and sisters on encouragement dates. Because it's encouragement dates. Keyword encouragement. It's not weird to ask to encourage brothers because we're in the kingdom. We're not in the world. Now, it doesn't mean the sisters lead the men. It just means encourage. (laughs) And so... Things are different in the kingdom, Amen. Amen. You know, you could be nil-nil in sharing faith and following up. Oh oh, man. Wait a minute. Man. Or nil-nil in your commitment. <laughs> yes. Question: Are you partially committed today? Hey. Are you partially sold out to the dream? Because I tell you the truth, Jesus doesn't want partially committed, sold-out disciples. Oh, no. Because why? Partial obedience means complete disobedience. We live in a time where people don't like to be fully committed. Especially when it comes to free trials. You try it for, you know, 14 days or a month. And you can't stay committed. So then you cancel. I remember when, yeah, when Netflix used to have a 14-day trial, but they they took it out because then people were abusing it with different emails and so on and so forth. But we got to be sold out to the dream. Are you sold out? To the dream, Matthew chapter 7, read in verse 21, because it says this, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Not think about his will, not debate against his will, not go pray about his will, not go search on the internet for persecution to find out if this is God's will. No, it says who does God's will. Mm. Those who are partially committed, partially sold out, according to the scripture, if you don't do the will of God, according to the scripture, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And the scripture highlights that not only people who are religious, like they won't enter the kingdom of heaven, it's it's those that are partially committed. Preach, come on. Partial commitment isn't enough. Mm. Being partially sold out isn't enough. That if you want to, that you haven't repented and been baptized as a true disciple according to Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 to 20, you're not saved. That even those in your life who claim to be religious also aren't saved. If they didn't teach you this because they can't teach you what they don't know. According to Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. You know, but... When it comes to the discipleship studies, it's so easy to administer the scripture saying, hey, everyone outside of you is lost. But sometimes we forget to apply the first principles to ourselves. How about disciples? Are you partially committed? Because the scripture states only those who do the will of the father will enter the kingdom of heaven. Because if you actually read the consequences this whole scripture, is actually talking about life in the kingdom. It's actually talking about this is how your attitude should be. That's what's called Beatitudes in the kingdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, so if you're not actively doing the will of God in the kingdom, the scripture is actually talking about disciples not making it to heaven. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep, true. Question, what is the will of the Father? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Oh, bro. Oh, bro. Fire. Sold out to the dream. 1 Timothy chapter 2. says this in verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior. What's it talking about? It's talking about praying for the leaders. Just two verses beforehand. Rather than criticizing all these leaders that are falling out of leadership like Liz Truss and Boris Johnson and all these people, pray for the leaders. Do you actually pray for the leaders rather than criticize the leaders? How about in discipleship, do you pray for the leaders except criticize the leaders? Pray for the leaders. It says this is good and pleases God. Our savior. It's good to pray for your leaders. Then it says, "Who wants all people to be saved? Not apathetic. It says saved. Not be emotional. It says be saved. Not religious. It says be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth." And the church says, "Who saved?" You may ask. Who who saved? According to Acts chapter four, verse eleven to twelve, it says, "Jesus is the stoner, uh, the stone, not stoner, stone you build is rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under mankind under heaven by which we must be saved." And the church says, Amen. "The only name that we can be saved under is that of Jesus Christ, not Muhammad, not Confucius, not Buddha, not Charles Darwin, not atheism, not communism, not socialism, all these other isms." Come on. Only other Jesus' name. Yep. And according to Matthew 28, Jesus wants everyone to become a disciple. Right. Therefore, disciples are saved. Beautiful. Simple. Mm-hmm. Disciple equal Christian equals saved. Yep. What does this mean? If you're not actively making disciples as a true disciple, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Come on. If you're a disciple right now, if you're not actively making disciples as a disciple. Not having personal Bibles, not sharing your faith. According to Matthew chapter 7, you will make it into heaven. You can say, Lord, Lord, all you want. Say, hey, I said Jesus is Lord in the London or the Birmingham international Christian church. Who cares? Preach, bro. Are you making disciples? Mm. Are you sharing your faith? Mm. You can give me all the encouragement that you want, but if you're not here with me to build the church, I don't have your back. Because why did God why did God why did God actually allow this to happen? So we can build his wife, his church. It's not even my church, it's not, it's not. It's our church. It's God's wife. He's going to marry the church. What are we doing? What are we doing? There's 51 disciples in the church. There's fifty but I look at the studies every week. It's not even half. I thought disciples make disciples. Do you actually want to go to heaven? Do you actually want it? Are you actually actively going out of your way to save somebody? Because according to scripture, we can't argue against scripture. It says you won't go to heaven. You won't go to heaven. Sold out to the dream. You can't be partially committed. You know, it only took one thing for the rich man in Luke 18 not to get to heaven, despite the fact he kept all the commandments. You can come to the meetings, you can give contribution, you can take sisters on dates, you can do all of these things, you can have your quiet times. But if you're not actively making a disciple, actually reaching out to someone trying to change their life, the scripture says you won't make it to heaven. Because you're not doing. It says those who do the will of God, which is actively save souls. And I'll be honest, this scripture scared me. Even as disciples, if you're not actively trying to get someone to heaven... You're not actually trying to make someone to a disciple. And even those who are visiting, if you don't actually make yourself, like, you don't allow the disciples to make you into a disciple, sharing your faith, following up, you risk losing your place in heaven. Question, are you sold out to the dream or did the old you really die at baptism? There it is. Is the old you actually still alive? Wow. If you don't have the dream, that means that you never really got baptized. Wow. You never actually died yourself. You never actually died in that water. Wow. You did a religious act, you got wet. Sure, that's great. You feel good for a bit, but you're actually making disciples. Mm. Do you see everything you do is making disciples, mm. and everything you don't do Jeez. is your effort of making disciples? Wow. What is your motive? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter two. On, Sold out to the dream. Okay, I didn't know the front rows with me were turning their Bibles right there. Come on, turn the right. Yeah. <laughs> go back. Romans chapter 2 verse 13 Come on. it says this for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight but it's those who obey the law wow. who will be declared righteous so what you do will get you into heaven not what you know yeah. most people have heard from, like, from the Bible because the Bible is the most sold book in the world and we're coming to a time in the year where everyone's going to hear about Jesus. He was born on Christmas Day. Fantastic. You can hear about Jesus all you want, but it doesn't matter what you know. It's about what you do. What do you, what do, you do with what you know? Knowing that you need to study the Bible and become a disciple for those who are visiting. Knowing that you need to come back for those who need to be restored. Knowing that you need to be sold out to the dream. Knowing that you need to be fully committed. Knowing the fact that the world is lost. What do you do with the fact that you know the world is lost? What do you do with it? What do you do with the fact that you know bitterness is sin? You still continue to be bitter. There it is. What do you do with the money given to God? Love offerings coming up. Money is attached to the heart. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also, as the Bible says. Giving exposes if you're really sold out to the dream or not. Who's given their love offering already? Sold out to the dream. If you've been partially committed, I want to call you to the standard. To call you to recommit. To be sold out to the dream. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. Point number one. Are you sold out or a sellout? Are you all in or all out, in other words? Could you be described as sold out today? Because what does it mean to be sold out? The meaning actually means completely committed Completely devoted, completely invested, and engaged to a cause. To have no reserves about the decision you are making. To be willing to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything in order to achieve your goal by any means necessary. You're all in. You're fully committed. You're sold out. You stick to your convictions. Does that describe you today? Are you sold out to the dream? Or do you have a backdoor in your heart? Because if you're not willing to be sold out, this is not the church for you. Or could you be described as a sellout? What's the meaning of sellout, you ask? A sellout is a person who betrays something to which one is said to owe allegiance. To be a sellout is to be partially committed, like an Easter egg. Seems promising, but hollow inside. Because I remember when I first got Easter eggs, I thought they were all full of chocolate right there, and you just break through your like, Oh man, that's hollow. That sucks. <laughs> hollow inside. Hollow convictions. Hollow commitment. Hollow character. Question Do you treat Christianity like an extracurricular club? Where you sometimes show up and you sometimes don't? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What we're about to read is the contrast of Jesus and the Pharisees one being sold out to the dream and one being a sellout. John chapter 10. Read from verse 1. I hope you guys are with me. It says, Very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. We stop right there. The scripture literally states, it says, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, Gate is singular. There's no gates. There's no multiple way in. There's only one gate. There's only one way in. There's no other method to get in to the sheep pen. There's only one way in and one way out. So it's either you're all in or you're all out. Once you decide you're all in, you've got to stay in. You can't try force your way out. You've got to fight through other, other sheep. There's no other method to get into the sheep pen. The fact that there is an entrance mean there is a, means that there is a proper way, an actual built-in way to get in. That's designed. The door, it's, that's the way you're supposed to go in. Because not everyone who stands among the sheep comes in the way according to the scripture. Some climb in some other way according to the scripture. So just because you're among the sheep today doesn't mean you're legitimate. You can sound like a Christian, you can act like a Christian, but it doesn't mean you are one. You even could have grown up around people who are religious, but it doesn't mean you know God. It doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. God doesn't build a relationship with you through mutual friends. You're saying, oh, my auntie is religious, so technically I'm religious. Oh, my grandma, we used to go to church, we used to pray together, so technically I know God. Do you have a personal relationship with God? Or dare we say, do you have a personal relationship with God? Sorry, that was, that was terrible. That was absolute. Sorry, Johnny, Johnny told me to say that, Johnny. That was absolutely terrible. Right? But, but he who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He says only the shepherd enters the gate. A true shepherd comes in the legitimate and designed way. God designed a specific way in, a way to be saved. Not by sinner's prayer, nope. not by baby baptism, not by belief alone, but being a true sold out disciple. On, we serve a God of design. And isn't it ironic that Jesus was a carpenter? Yeah. Come on. We serve a God who makes no mistakes. God designed the Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs 30, verse 5 to 6, that every word of God is flawless. God designed it a perfect way. He designed the Bible a perfect way. And he designed it in a way where it's, it's perfect to evangelize the world with. So in Matthew 10, he preached the limited commission for the apostles to go to the Jews. The nationals first. Then the great commission in Matthew 28. To the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. We cannot achieve the way Jesus achieved world evangelism by doing Matthew 28 without doing Matthew 10 first. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. The only way we're going to evangelize Europe is by saving Europeans. We can save anyone. Again, God can save anyone. He can. He can. But honestly, would it be easier to baptize in a month someone who knows the language rather than you learning the language in a month. Mm-hmm. Which one's easier? To baptize someone who knows the language. Because I remember being in the household with Frank. He was in his room watching like 60 lessons trying to learn Dutch in three months. It's hard. Like he literally invested in a tutor. He, of course he had his fiance helping him out. But then the first time when he lands, he's still trying to learn Dutch. He literally asked me, hey, bro, can you buy this book to learn Dutch in three months? He was trying. So in total, he learned Dutch in six months. That's very hard, especially enunciating correctly while trying to read, process, and trying to preach. You had his first sermon in Dutch. That was like he was fluent. I don't even know what in the world he was saying, (laughs) but it sounded on point. He made speaking, he basically brought back speaking in tongues, the trendy, mainly the trendy basically. Amen. But, 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 what's, the, but what's, the, what's the silver lining? Every country has people from their country to save them. Mm. Who's going to save the British? Mm. British that's good. Because the scripture states that God determines times and places. If he wanted you in another continent, he would have put you there already. Yeah. Or unless he's called you there. He determined you to be here. So why not build Europe? Do you love Europeans, mm. or just your own nation? Mm. The world calls it racism. <laughs> the Bible calls it hate. That's right, yeah. That's right. Come on. There's no word racism in the Bible. Thank you. It says hate. This is amazing. It's just when you actually deep, like, man, I, I dang. You yes, actually yes. think, man, I'm not reaching out to. Wow, I actually hate that person. Come on. I actually hate that. What? I actually have hate in my heart. Wow. Okay. That makes you look like, whoa, racism look different No. Do you have hate for certain nations in your heart? Are you trying to design a new model of world evangelism? The reason why we share with Europeans is because we're in Europe. We can save any nation. We understand that. But people who are not from Europe, right here in this room, would you actually genuinely be willing, genuinely, not self-denial, genuinely be willing to learn a European language? Yeah. Yes. I know. I know. Obviously, <laughs> obviously came. Okay. But I'm talking about wholehearted, like in a month or three months. If you ask to go to Spain, like this, you're like, okay, I'm gonna learn this, like crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or would you rather baptize someone who can actually speak the language? Which one's actually easier? Baptize. It's easier. Yeah. They've known the language. Yeah. They know the language. Yeah. Yes. They know the language. They know more people from that nation. They have Spanish parents. They have Spanish cousins. They know Spanish people. Why are we making it so hard for ourselves? Just baptize the Europeans. I tell you the truth, you're not a sold out disciple if you're not willing to even learn the language. It's like it goes both ways because you have to be sold out nonetheless. Because then, if you're not willing to do both, share it with someone who's from that country or even learn the language, you're not a disciple. You're not a disciple. Because as a disciple, you're willing to do anything. Speak a language. learn different. Guys know me. When I meet new people from different nations, I write things in phonetics. Because I want to make sure I'm enunciating it correctly. Because I know for me, my British accent is so strong, I start to say some words, very British. Even my own nation in Philippines, they they butcher me for saying it. And they say I sound, you know, another nation. But I'm not going to mention what. But if you're not willing to be sold out to the dream, you're not the solution to the problem. You are the problem. (laughs) If you have racism in your heart right now or hate, can you accept the fact that you are racist? Mm -mm. We don't reach out to Europeans because we need certain colors. Mm -mm. How about the European nations who have yet to be evangelized? Do you see their need to be saved? Do you see their need to be saved? Of course. Give, your all, give all your heart to all the nations. Do it. But don't give any less when it comes to your own nation either. Still give the same amount of heart. But we need to push for other nations. Acts chapter 16 is a very emotional chapter. The Macedonian man from Europe was begging Paul. He was begging. Begging. It says The scripture says he begged. He said, like, come to Europe, please. Please come to Europe. Do you see Hungary begging for us to go there? Do you see Serbia begging for us to save them? Do you see Kosovo begging for us to save them? Do you see Liechtenstein begging, begging for us to save them? Switzerland, Czech Republic, do you see them begging for us to save them? Denmark? Let's go, Josie. Yes. <laughs> Because you've got you to ask yourself the question if everyone in the church were exactly like you, what would the church actually look like? Would it be all white? Or black? Or Asian? Or would it be all nations? Who are you reaching out to? Are you reaching just to anyone? Or, question, would there actually be anyone in your church? <laughs> Question, to be real, what is it you want? What do you actually want? God desires a sold out base. God doesn't need the right numbers. He needs the right hearts. Come on. Do you have the right heart today? And we have to remember, God is omnipresent. As we spoke about last week. Jesus is in this room right now. He sees your heart. So he knows right now if you've been critical in this moment if you're ticked off or if you're bitter if you even hate it, hate it it's fine it's fine he probably took a, a note of what you just thought and what you had in your heart before you thought it you can talk about that with Jesus when you. Get but are you after the blessings more than the blesser you're here today for what you can get more than what you can give Imagine being in a relationship when all that one does is take, take, take. You know, upon reflection, I've been taking a lot from God this week. Even to the point where I take him for granted. Taking advantage of the fact that I'm not 100% physically, thus not putting him first. I've been partially committed. And I had to admit in my heart that if God isn't first he's lost. Mm. There's no such thing as second priority or third place. Mm -hmm. If it's not first, it's lost. Anything that isn't first is already lost. Are you seeking God first? Mm. Verse 3. In John chapter 10, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So what does this highlight? The scripture states that the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd. Which means you can't open the door yourself. Mm, that's good. The gatekeeper has to open it for you. You can't force your way into heaven. You can't force your way into the sheep pen. And, and, and look in it as well. Like we're going to dig in this. We're going to milk the scripture. Amen? We're talking about the door, the gate. The gate is there for protection. Are you trying to open the door to try and let things in? What areas of your discipleship have you allowed apathy to creep in? Bitterness to creep in. Laziness to creep in. Mediocrity to creep in. Doubts to creep in. Criticality to creep in. What doors do you need to shut in your life? What doors have you left open that you shouldn't? That should be closed. Do you have a back door in your heart? And the scripture goes on to say, and the sheep listen to his voice. Who you listen to? Who are you actually listening to? Because you do realize listening actually takes effort. Because you can hear these words right now, but not listen. So it takes effort to actually process what's being said. It takes one deciding to focus and to ignore anything that would distract one from listening. You know how long it took for Satan to deceive Eve in the garden? One conversation. It only takes one conversation with Satan and he's got you. Wow. Yep. Are you an easy target for Satan? It only took one conversation for Eve to go against God. It takes one conversation for you to go against God. If you've been allowing Satan to talk to you, I'll tell you the truth, he's toying with you. Yeah? He's using you. Do you allow Satan to use you more than God? Wow. Oh my God. Are you an advocate for Satan? Oh wow. that's a great question, bro. We have this phrase in this world called the devil's advocate. Are you actually the devil's advocate? Continue in verse three. He calls his own sheep by name. What would he call you? What's the name that God would give you? Would he say, "My good and faithful servant"? Nice. <coughs> would he call you a warrior, wow. a fighter? I tell you, I tell you guys, Jeffrey is a warrior. Go Go forward forward. Forward. He's a fighter, you know, uh, he's a strong guy, you know, he's going through some things, so pray for him, um, but he's fighting, Come on, Jeffrey. he's real, he's a warrior, he's not allowing Satan to whisper doubts into his head, he's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting Satan, and that's what I'm so proud of Jeffrey. And we lift up Jane. Jane has been through a lot of persecution, but she's been fruitful twice this year. Yeah. She hasn't allowed Satan to get into her head. Yeah. Allowed the persecution to get into her head. She's always serving on Fridays yeah. for food, always going miles to get this food to cook. Even the sisters, like the sisters on Friday, oh my gosh, and for the food, fire. Yeah. And that's Harry as well, amen. Yeah. What would he call you? Lazy. Aww. Entitled. Yeah. A thief. No. A deceiver. No. A coward. Wow. A liar. Okay. A murderer. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 3. Why would he call you a murderer? Yes, we understand we killed Jesus on the cross. But let's go a bit further. Are you a mass murderer? Ezekiel chapter 3. It says in verse 18. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not warn them. Or speak out to dissuade them. From the evil ways in order to save their life. That wicked person will die for their sin. And I will hold you. (laughs) Accountable. For their blood. What does scripture highlight? Is that. The bible. Is highlighting that we're called to be. Watchmen. If you willingly. Willingly. Don't share your faith when someone walks by. When the Spirit prompts you to. You're a murderer. Their blood is now on your hands. Because the scripture literally states, if you don't try, actually refute what they say, or even attempt to share your faith, their blood is now on your hands. When the Spirit has prompted you to share the faith. You're like, okay. Okay. Cool, he's he's going maybe he could die today. Maybe she could die today. The scripture states that you're held accountable for their blood. How much blood will be on your hands from just this week alone? Are you sold out? Or are you a sellout? We continue reading verse three in John chapter ten. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. It says, the shepherd leads the sheep out. You don't lead yourself. You don't make your own way out on how to do things. You don't self-disciple. You follow. How are you as a follower? I want to speak to the brothers here. Men, do you actually lead? You were created to lead. It doesn't just mean leadership. How about leading someone to the waters of baptism? God designed you to lead. You don't want to lead? You're going against what you were made to do. Because I look at the study count every week for the brothers. For the number of brothers that we have. I'll leave you guys to be convicted by that. Another note is that the shepherd leads the way out. They lead by example. Disciples, do you have an example worth following? Where people actually want to follow you? that are actually inspired by you. Are you an example? Or a warning? And honestly, this cut me to pieces. Because I, I, I think about myself, I'm like, man, like, as I preach to you guys and preach to myself, I really don't have an example for people to follow. I haven't got any personal Bible studies. I haven't been following up. I have no right to preach. I have no right to lead the way. I haven't been good, a good follower. So I'm sorry. What would our, our example produce? Let's make the decision to be sold out to the dream today. To be an example. To be an example for one another. To inspire one another. As the Bible says in Hebrews 10, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. Verse 4. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. We follow the shepherd because we know the voice. But do you know the distinguishing sound of Satan's voice or God's voice? <laughs> because if what's being said is not in line with the Bible, why are you listening? Because how do we hear God? Through the word of God. Not through angels. Not through like, like signs. I had a religious experience. You hear it through the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter one, it literally says that you hear, that in the past, in the Old Testament, they used to hear it by God himself. But now we hear it through his son. Where do we find his words? In the Bible. People are like, I heard God speak. Did you read the Bible? Verse five. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Are you able to defend the gospel against strangers? Against strangers' voice? How well do you know your Bible? Do you memorize scripture? How often do you memorize scripture? Word for word. Memorizing... This is literally what we're going to be... This is literally the, uh, eternal, our souls, and God. Is it, that's it, That's all it's going to be. There's no point memorizing all these lyrics to, you know, all these... Of course, the kingdom songs. Memorize the kingdom songs, amen? <laughs> right? But I'm not talking... I'm talking about all the secular music and stuff. Why memorize all those lyrics? Why memorize all of that? Why memorize, I don't know, how tall someone is or X, Y, Z, fashion... Don't... Memorize this! Come on, guys. Instead of filling your head with excuses, fill it with the word of God. Instead of saying, I'm struggling with mental health, do the thing that actually hit, like, actually fill your mind with the thing that can actually heal your health. Ooh, come on. Fill it with this. You know, you know how many chapters? There's so much in here. <laughs> I'm only reading my five verses. There's so much in there. Yeah. The word of God is more powerful. More powerful than your mental health. Yeah. More powerful than your past. Yeah. More powerful than your trauma. I'm done hearing this in Britain. You are hearing his excuses, I'm suffering, I'm going... Say that to Jesus, who bled on the cross for you. Say that to him. He went through the most suffering. This is nothing compared to Jesus. Come on. What we're going through is nothing. We're having suffered suffering to the point of shedding blood. Yep. We're so weak. Mm-hmm. If Peter, John, and James saw us today, we're like, oh, I saw some persecution online, some email, whoa. You guys are weak. You guys aren't disciples. You guys are religious. You guys are Pharisees. We probably classed as Pharisees in those days. We probably would. Are oh, you sold out? I'm done hearing the same thing in Britain, man. Same thing. Oh, this. Oh, what was me? What was my life? Rubbish. Read the Bible. God knows you more than anybody, more than any psychiatrist, more than any therapist. More than any doctor. God is the great surgeon. He designed you. He designed you. Find power in weakness. Use it as a tool to show your faith. Find power in weakness. Come on, Joseph. Come on. Verse six. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus could be speaking to you today, but your religiousness could stop you from wow. understanding. Wow. <laughs> verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, very true, I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. All have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. This is a reference to Jeremiah 23 verse 1. Let's go there. Uh-huh. Okay. He says, the shepherds before, back in Jeremiah, were thieves and robbers. Why? Jeremiah chapter 23. It says in verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering my sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. He's talking to God's people. He's talking to us because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done declares the Lord what does this highlight there are shepherds who destroy and scatter so you can literally look like a shepherd but you're destroying and scattering the flock poisoning disciples in the fellowship poisoning the people that you disciple there's a lot of disciples missing today I know some are sick, amen. But how about if some of them are actually poisoned? Because, of course, sickness actually highlights the condition of the church. It does. Because God actually teaches. He's like, man, why do you strike me? Because clearly there's some sin in the church. One part of the body suffers. Every part suffers. We're suffering, family. We have to get serious. We're not sold out on solving this issue. If a part is hurting, why are we not concerned about it? The scripture says that the shepherds, literally, they're going to be punished by God because they didn't care. Do you actually message the a brother if you don't see them in church? Them. Do you actually message the sister if you don't actually see them in church? Yeah. Are you actually concerned? Do you have a genuine care? Come do you on. actually you say bro sis? Do you actually mean it? Come on, bro. Do you actually mean? I hear the word best friend thrown around. No, yeah. do you do you actually mean yeah. best friend? It, bro. Mm-hmm. So about where it. are you? Where are you from me? If you, mm-hmm. Talk about it. People know me. If people, I have a close, I have a close circle of best friends. Those best friends know who they are. I tell them they're my best friend. Yeah. I tell them why because they're actually there for me they take off the fact that I'm a church leader and just see Joseph a disciple because I'm, I'm normal I'm normal guys I struggle I mean I struggle guys I'm no better than the guy who struggles we're strong we're as strong as our weakest member so how come yeah you guys are concerned for me. how about the guy who's missing from church how about it why are we so quick to rebuke it's just encourage the weak Give the strength of God. They need you. They didn't have these type of people in in the world. They didn't. The people here, responsible to lead Israel in Jeremiah, in God's path, at the time were the very ones responsible for Israel's present, present unpleasant condition. And so God had decreed harsh judgment against them. As disciples, we are held responsible for those entrusted into our care. Whom God has placed into our care. Question Do you care? That's it. Do you care? Sometimes you need care over confrontation. Meaning of care in the Hebrew means paked, which means to commit, entrust, and to commit for care. Are you committed to care? Are you sold out to care? Care means you go above the confrontation. You even go above their confrontation. Sometimes they don't even want to speak to you. You're like, no, 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 I don't care. Let me speak to you. You give them what they need, not what they want. If you care, you won't be afraid to rebuke them if necessary. Even you won't be even be afraid to rebuke the ones studying the Bible if you genuinely care for their soul. In a D time, in sharing your faith. You actually tell them the truth on the spot because you care for their soul. If you care, you won't be afraid to disciple them on the spot. Yeah, that's good. Or do you care by? Or do you care about being liked by everyone? Mm, talk about that one. Ephesians chapter six. Sold out to the dream. Are you a soul? Are you sold out or are you sell out after hearing everything today? Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter six, in verse four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't, don't irritate them. That's what it basically means. Don't irritate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Are you going after discipling your children? Have you been neglecting your children? Or oh, spiritual for children, for those who don't have kids, you know? However, if your child is your idol, That's different. But what we're going to focus on is, are you neglecting or protecting your children? You're either neglecting or protecting your children. Whenever your child messes up, that's a product of you. Because technically, we're all called to be shepherds. We're responsible for one another. You know, a lot of issues that are caused, they're caused because of a lack of discipling. The reason why the world has so many issues is because there's a lack of discipling. That's why there's so many issues in the world. One quote says this: "Lack of self-discipline, a common disease in our society. The deadliest disease in our in our society, is a lack of discipline." James chapter five. James chapter five, verse twenty. It says, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What does this highlight? Discipling will save us from hell. And if she says it. It says, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way, even just, we're still sinners. It doesn't mean as soon as we become a disciple, we're no longer sin. We're still sin. Mm. We're still receptive to sin. So we still need to ch- turn each other away from sin. Why allow someone to get to the point where they're struggling when it could have been prevented by weekly discipling? Mm -hmm. Disciples, are you going after your discipler? Luke 15 verse 7 says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We can still fall into sin, family. So we still need to make sure we're continuing to repent. Heaven rejoices when there is repentance of one sinner. We're all sinners. Heaven rejoices when even a disciple repents. You fire up heaven when you repent. Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. In verse 23. It says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Pay attention to your flock. Do you know who's missing? Why are they missing? Do you call them immediately after church? Because I tell you the truth, you compromise once, you'll compromise again. Are you neglecting or protecting your flock? Are you neglecting or protecting the flock? I remember this one time when one brother missed Campus Devo. One brother... A band of ten brothers went to this brother's house. Ten. Ten. He was in the kitchen just cooking. Saw him in the window, sad. Went to his house, and he was like, whoa. He saw saw me and another brother come in, and he was like, okay, two. He saw three, then four, then five, then six, then seven, then eight, then nine, then ten. And he just stood by the cooker like... And what he said by the end of our conversation was, I feel loved. He said, thank you for not giving up on me. Do you care enough to investigate thoroughly? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 13 verse 14, then you must inquire, probe, and investigate it thoroughly. Do you ask questions? How did you get here? We have to keep the saved saved. Mm. How are you doing? In, like, what do you do in d times? Are they just rebuking sessions? Or do you actually spend time <coughs> doing with them what they like? Is your disciple your best friend? Why aren't they your best friend? Do they actually know you the most? Or are they just your counselor? One of the things that kept me faithful was the friendship I had with my disciple back in London. He was my best friend. That was my first disciple. Older brother that I never knew I needed, I needed in my life. The second one, my best friend, called my father in the faith. I called him my father in the faith. So, first was Demeji, my best friend, my older brother. Second was Luke Snow, my father in the faith. Because of the friendship. You don't hide anything from your best friend, you're honest. You're honest. Do you actually have genuine friendships with those you take care of and those who are even above you? Do you care about the mission? You know, we should never be at home. Aside if you're sick, you should actually never be at home. What happens when you're not in the field? 2 Samuel chapter 11. Because clearly there's a reason why we're barren for so long, family. I believe the biggest killer in our church right now is laziness. (laughs) 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab. He sent someone else. Out with the king's men and the whole Israel army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman is very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. David spent, like basically spent all day in bed. At home. And what ended up happening? Literally gave birth to sin. Because he was lazy. He wasn't on the field sharing his faith. We should never be at home during the day. Unless you have work during the day, obviously. Fill in the blank. But as a disciple, if you have empty time, go out and share your faith. Share your faith. Bring it in for a close. John chapter 10. John 10. Verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Says so the same thing in verse 14. Why? Because Jesus knows to repeat things for us. Knowing that he's like, going to die for us twice. Like he said, like, hey, I'm going to die for you. Okay, you didn't listen. I'm going to die for you. And this is in reference to John 15 verse 13. I'll just read it. Greater love has no one, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And from this scripture, it's a reference to Romans chapter 5 verse 7 to 8, which says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's actually an insult to God when you say you feel unloved by God. Wow. <clears throat> John 10, verse 12. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. What, what do we, the scripture is very powerful. What does it say? It says in verse 12, the, ma, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the scripture says, Then the wolf attacks the flock. So the wolf actually doesn't attack when there's a shepherd standing there. But the is like, oh snap, I see the wolf, let me go run away. Because basically what it hides is then the wolf. So the wolf wouldn't have done it if there was someone caring, if there was, a, if there was a shepherd caring for the flock. Have you run away from responsibility? Even responsibility to being unified, to work together in Bible studies. So most often or not, I always see one brother in one Bible study. Or if there's, I don't know if that's just in the sisters' ministry as well, but I'm talking about about church as a whole. Are we working together to save souls? Are we working together on the field, learning from each other how to actually teach the Bible to each other? Because we're never going to multiply if 20% are doing the work. Verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is talking about, at this time when it was just the Jews. He's like, hey, there's a divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. And now, of course, when everything happens, there'll be no more divide. Mm. There'll be just one flock. The scripture doesn't state that so there are multiple pens. Mm. They're still part of one flock, yeah. but maybe you just put them in different pens. Mm. And this is a reference to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 17, which talks about Jesus' death destroyed all barriers between, Jesus, uh, between Jews and Gentiles, thus making peace. He put to death the hostility between the races. He put to death all divisions. All divisions were put to death because of the cross. What are you trying to keep alive? Christ has destroyed the barriers people build between themselves. Because these walls have been removed, we can now have real unity with people who are not like us. That's why the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, we know this very well in verse 19, we are no longer foreigners or aliens to God. So when you say you have nothing in common with another disciple, You have the cross in common. Mm. But because you're not connected to the cross, you feel like there's nothing in common between you both. Mm -hmm. That means the cross actually meant nothing to you. The scripture states you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Mm -hmm. Becoming a disciple is entering God's family. And we're no longer strangers. Then why is it that some of us feel like strangers to one another? We literally feel like strangers. How come we only see you at the meetings of the body but never outside the meetings of the body just to hang out, go for lunch or maybe even on dates? Are you sold out or a sellout? In closing, in order to be sold out to the dream, I call you to make the decision whether to be all in or all out. You've got to be sold out or a sellout. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. If I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children from Abraham. The scripture states that as you repent, as a disciple, you produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. Mm -hmm. You don't just become a disciple and you're just there. The scripture says you you, you have to produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. So the reason why you're struggling is because you're not making a disciple. And we already covered from the very beginning. If you don't make a disciple, you won't go to heaven. This is a scripture that states you have to make disciples to keep you from sinning. You're too busy making disciples that you have no time to sin. Why? Still, water gathers filth. If you're still in your discipleship, if you're the same, literally, like this year to last year, you don't want to. You're basically filthy because still water gathers filth. You don't want to spend like none of us want to spend time around filth. It's smelly. You don't want to spend time with people who are filthy. Imagine someone coming to serve as filthy. You want to stay far away from them, right? If something stinks, right? Because dead corpses stink. Saying your previous life was better, it's like you're digging up your dead corpse. Stinks. Trying to live in the past, you're like the walking dead. Reasoning for how you are today. I tell you the truth, your prayers last year won't sustain you now. That's why they were there last year. They sustained you last year. Your prayers have to be bigger, deeper, and more conviction. With more conviction. Change your prayer route. Pray with somebody. Your prayers have to be deeper. They have to be longer. There's more things to pray about. If your prayers are getting shorter and shorter, you're not growing, you're dying. Revelation 3 verse 19. I'll show you two more and we're done. Hope you guys are still alive in the church, right? Revelation 3 verse 19. It says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. The word discipline here means train. So when we teach the scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16-17, the Bible's used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. It's actually saying discipling. That's what the scripture is used for. But because out of love I love you guys, let's be earnest, as the scripture states and repent. Let's be, let's be serious. Let's actually go after taking care of the flock. Actually going after getting more people studying the Bible. Way more people. There's seven Bible talks. If you have uh, like one in each, if one falls off, because you're going after the next week, you're continuously having three light and darkness studies every week. Every week. But because like some Bible talks are working harder than others, it's not, that's not the way gonna, we're going to build the church. Literally it's not. That's why there's a dying need for Bible Talk Leaders' Meeting after this service. Because we need to figure out a game plan on how we're going to build Birmingham. Because we need to get to Wolverhampton, like to build that region. It's not just the Bible, it's going to be a region. Same as Coventry. I've got plans for Nottingham. These are things I'm dreaming, is keeping with God. Last scripture 2 Chronicles, chapter 16. Sold out to the dream. It says in verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for people to, he's looking to dish out strength. But the only condition is to be sold out to the dream, to be fully committed. You may be still weak right now because you're not fully committed. Yeah. When you make the decision to be fully committed, God will dish you strength. Come on, you're, you can never be too weak to turn your life around. You can turn your life around right in this moment. It takes five seconds to make a decision. If you don't make a decision in five seconds, you've already decided to make not make a decision. You're going to stay the same. Make a decision today to be sold out to the dream, to be sold out to go after all nations, to go after Europeans, to be sold out to care, to be sold out to go and make disciples of all nations and go to the ends